Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Have you ever tried to stop doing something but had a really difficult time doing that? If so, then our guest today is going to have some ideas that will help you to finally be able to rewire your thinking so that you can change your habits and your actions. He's also going to talk about how to think about prioritizing your activities so that you can maximize your impact and where to focus your impact so that you can have the greatest effect across your organization. I know that sounds like a tall order, but all of that is happening in today's episode, and we're going to get to a little bit more about our guest in just a second, but first, it's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts, and that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is a speaker, author, and leadership coach on a mission to unearth and unleash the personal mastery of entrepreneurs and senior executives. Since 2008, he's empowered his tribe to take an active, intentional, and dynamic role in their development and create the kind of life-work rhythm, enabling them to build profitable businesses, raise thriving families, and live wildly fulfilling lives. His best-selling new book, Mindset Mondays with DTK, 52 Ways to Rewire Your Thinking and Transform Your Life, is available on Amazon Worldwide. Here is David Taylor Klaus. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Joshua. It's um, thrilled to be here today. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? I'm ready. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Being listened to feels so much like being loved that people can scarcely tell the difference. Changes the way people lead. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... Focused on impact. Clear that growing your people starts with growing yourself. And a leader is in danger of over-calibrating if they're not careful. What do you mean by that real quick? Some of the people I work with are, I call them over-calibrated leaders. They're so focused on and driven by the professional success that it can become very easy to over-calibrate towards that at the expense of personal success and personal fulfillment. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Themselves. What part of the problem am I? First question of leadership. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Breathe before you respond. Stop reacting. 
And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? So I I have this urge inside to say neither, because why puts people and organizations and systems on the defensive? It's who and what's important about should replace why. And just out of curiosity, what's your beef with why not? It's a sneaky way around why. Culturally, what's happened, people literally have a triggered response. And I'm not a big fan of trigger warning, but I think people are, even the strongest leaders can be emotionally triggered by the why or why not, because it's asking for you to justify and explain rather than what was important about that decision, what led to that decision, who's involved. Those are stronger questions because it gets to the motivation and the understanding of the situation rather than defending or explaining one's actions. So I think why and why not are, misdir- are, are tend to misdirect away from what's important. Well, David, we are here today to talk about something in your work called the Cascade Effect. But before we get started with that and any other number of things that our conversation will open up to us today, I wanted to talk to you first about your new book, Mindset Mondays with DTK, 52 Ways to Rewire Your Thinking and Transform Your Life, just launched in September. Tell us a little bit about it and and how that has been so far, the experience of the launch and the impact you want to make with your book. Yeah, I'm glad you asked it that way through the the lens of what's the impact. I read something horrific in 2015 from the Pew Research Group that only 41% of people who actually buy a book read past the first chapter. My wife's published several books and I have several colleagues who have published books and I know what they pour into it. And whether it's the research, the life experience, the creation of the book, it's years of heart and soul into these book, onto these pages. And for people to buy them and not read them, for them to become shelfware and look good, but not do good, that was concerning for me. And, and then I started to realize, well, besides the fact that I'm guilty, I own books that I bought for the title or because I like the author and I haven't gotten around to reading. So I realized how common it is. But also, there's something called, that I used to call cubnesia right? Where you take your team offsite for this magnificent event and you get everybody stoked for the implementing the new strategy and the new programs. And and then you go back Monday morning and the phone rings and the email starts and everybody forgets everything and goes back to the normal pattern. So I wrote the book I needed when I was an early stage entrepreneur and several times through my 30 years as an entrepreneur. I wrote a book that's designed to give people the readily digestible and immediately actionable content and a structure, the rewire framework, that will help readers take the learning from each chapter out into the world and make that learning real. Because the learning is meant to be meaningful and lasting, not momentary. Could you talk a little bit more about the idea or the practice of rewiring your thinking? Yeah. So our brains are not designed to stop things, right? I'm going to stop doing this. That doesn't work. And and the best example culturally is, and I'm not equating leadership to heroin addiction, but there are similarities <laughs> that with heroin, heroin addiction, we use replacement therapy. We use methadone to replace the heroin. We replace something that doesn't serve with something that does. Cold turkey can be heroin deadly. With leadership, 
trying to stop a behavior with personal development, trying to stop a behavior is fraught with failure. Whereas replacing something, a behavior that doesn't serve or a mindset that doesn't serve with one that does takes small actions repeated regularly to change that behavior. And so what rewire is, is a a six-step process, and there are prompts that are unique to each chapter at the end of the chapter that we walk them through. First one is reflect. You know, that's that chance to give yourself space and time to breathe and reflect on what's come up and what the learning is and what surfaced for you from reading that chapter. It's got an experiment phase that's created for you where you can go take that learning out into the world and then come back and write it down. So it's reflect, experiment, write. Write's important. It's something different when you have a pen in hand. Brene Brown's description of it is it goes from head to heart to hand. And writing actually takes more processing and more engagement. So I want you to capture what was learned through the experiment. And then investigate phase is a chance to unpack what that learning was, what the potential impact is, revise the experiment, and then expand that learning and that application to other areas of your world. So by going through those six steps with each chapter, it gives you that the steps and the time to make that learning a little more embedded. Could you run through, just for people listening who don't have the opportunity like I've just had to write these down, what are those six steps? Just going through them just real quick. So rewire, the acronym is reflect, experiment, write, investigate, revise, and expand. And you said earlier that brains aren't really meant to stop. They don't stop things very well. But here's the thing. People do stop things. <laughs> Sometimes people are very good at stopping things and not seeing things through to the end. Are there any steps here that you really want people to be focused on? Don't get lost at this step. Don't stop at this step. Do you find that certain people along the way between this reflecting, experimenting, writing, investigating, revising, and expanding, that people get lost somewhere along the way? Yeah, it's interesting. There are a couple of places. I, I find people resistant to writing. I think that the saboteurs come in, those negative thoughts in your head of, oh my God, somebody else is going to read this, or what if I'm writing the wrong thing, or what if I'm not going to get it right? And the important thing about writing, I've even put a journal page for each chapter to, to limit the excuses, but the idea is this is stream of consciousness writing. It's just for you. It's a mechanism to get the brain to process to unpack, encode, and, and recode, to use the way your brain is wired to process. And when the people stop at the writing, well, I've reflected and I've experimented. And eh, instead of writing, I'm just going to keep going. It changes the way your brain actually processes and stores it. So we're using brain science. So the steps are important. The other place that people tend to stop is the expand. It's the, oh, I got this right? And I see entrepreneurs do this all the time. I got this. I've learned it. Well, there's a, there's a sixth step for a reason, right? It's when you take what you've learned in this, you know, it's just like when you did in math class in, in school. You use what you learned in chapter one in chapter two. If you just learned it in one and forget about it, then you don't have, you're not taking all the tools into chapter two. Same thing. Once you've run this experiment and used this learning in your world, you want to take it and expand it to other areas to see how it applies and see where else it can expand your world. So stopping, stopping before write and stopping before expand are the two places that people have the tendency to peter out. 
Well, David, I appreciate you sharing that with us a little bit about your book and what you're hoping to accomplish through your work. Now, I want to focus on another aspect of your work right now, and that's the cascade effect. Could you talk to us about what the cascade effect is and maybe how leaders can be thinking about it for their own lives? So the cascade effect, the origin of it is actually kind of selfishly motivated. You know, you talked in the intro about you know, the, the folk I work with, the outcomes are to run profitable businesses and to raise thriving families and to live wildly fulfilling lives. Well, here's the deal. The goal is not to do it in that order, <laughs> right? And to live the kind of life that you want, it takes time and space and attention and energy. And so the cascade effect came from I only want to dedicate so much time and energy of my given day or given week or given month to the work that I do. I want time for my family, my community, my kids, for what's important to me, right? For riding my bike, to collecting wine, whatever it is. I want time for the things that are not work-related, right? So the cascade effect initially for me was a way to work with leaders who, who were leading other folk. I wanted to do work for them that they could bring to their people. So the cascade effect is serving folk who will use what they learn or what they create or develop through the work with you to pass that on to others. It gives me a chance to expand my impact footprint without having to expand my week. <laughs> and, and I realized that that gets into the distinction really between you know, a boss and a leader, right? The boss mentality is I have a hundred people who are my director, who report to me. Versus a leader who is, there are 100 people in this organization that I serve. And the idea of a leader looking at the folk that work in the company they're leading, it's my job to make them better, to, to grow other leaders, and to make their jobs easier. That's the core mentality of leadership, and that's emblematic of the cascade effect. Could you give us an example, whether it's, it's something that you maybe have used as an illustration that you've made up in the past or a real-life example of someone using the cascade effect well? There's so many folk who are phenomenal sales folk, brilliant independent contributors or individual contributors who are slaying the dragons, killing it. Then they hear somebody in leadership say, oh, my God, you've been fabulous at sales. We're not going to make you a sales manager. They have no training whatsoever in management, in leadership, in growing other people, in leading other people. They're taking, you know, a fish that's swimming well and they put them on land and say, climb that tree. Well, the challenge is most folk that are thrown off like that will begin to believe, oh my God, I've got to do this myself. I've got to figure this out because if I don't, I'm going to get fired. We have this perverse idea, it's particularly North American, that the bigger the dragon and the harder it is, the sweeter the victory. And that's actually not true. The true sign of strength is being willing to acknowledge where you need help, seek it, and accept it. And so that change in mindset when somebody's been put into a position for which they do not feel qualified is to start reflecting on where it is that they need help, where are the gaps, who on their team can provide that, or where can they source that? And looking to generate that kind of support and help. Countless examples of leaders who get thrown into a position they don't understand. I'm watching it in corporate all the time. My God, coach approach to leadership is now become a core competency that's expected of our leaders, but 
these men and women are, are, are not only are they not being given any training in how to take a coach approach, they're not getting any coaching. So I'm starting to see leaders more and more that are inside corporate reaching out independent of the organization and saying, I need a coach. So one of the things that as you're sharing about the cascade effect, I want to see if you can help us to further connect the cascade effect with some of your other processes, uh, particularly the the rewire steps, uh, you know, reflect, experiment, write, investigate, revise and expand. How can someone who wants to incorporate the cascade effect into their life or into their team or into their business, how can they incorporate that using rewire? What, what are some, some tips or, or prompts you can give people so they can begin incorporating that process that you've developed, that you've, you've highlighted in your book with the cascade effect? There's a 10-10-10 tool. And it's the idea of what's the impact of this decision. And, and you can pick three different time frames in 10 minutes, 10 weeks, 10 months, or it can be in 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 years, decades, generations. You pick what the three timelines are. But you look at, you evaluate what the impact of this decision is on longer and longer time frames because it helps you make better decisions instead of just looking at the near-term short win. It, it it really touches back to the idea of the Native Americans, First Nations in this country, where there was the idea of the seven, seventh generation thinking that every decision was made in light of the impact on the seventh generation to come. Right now, we've got the average tenure of a CEO in a public company is three to five years. It's very hard to find true generational long-term thinking when leadership is monitored quarter by quarter and the shelf life of a leader is very, very short. So the, the rewire is the element where that comes in. It's looking at where can I take this learning and apply it into other areas. So starting with the 10-10-10 tool to evaluate your decisions on longer and longer windows instead of just the short term. So talk to us a little bit about how you incorporate the Cascade Effect, Rewire, and, and other tools perhaps that you have into the work that you do with leaders and organizations. I'm not a big fan of instruments and assessments because so many organizations misuse them. They value the data itself. And uh, I will give you examples of 10 organizations and assessments who are very clear in their leadership and management of those companies that the data is use useless. The true value is in the conversations that are possible because of them. So those 360s that are done one day and then looked at again 364 days later, right before your next review, those are useless. The tools and the data that are used to look at on a regular basis, those are where it's powerful. So when we look at how would we shift leadership, first step is to get leaders to become more aware of their leadership wake or their impact wake. What's the impact of their leadership and <laughs> how close is it to what their intention is or was? These are gaps between intended impact and unintended impact. Your impact is real. And being able to see how your leadership is impacting the, the people, the processes, and the profits is the first place we look. And whether we use instruments or not, those are the arenas that we look in. And then we map the gap between the actual impact and what their intended impact is. From there, we get a leader's mindset to begin to shift. Wow, this is actually my leadership impact wake. 
what is it that I want it to be? How do I go about creating the conditions for that to be the reality? I, I look at that under the umbrella as bringing entrepreneurial thinking into leadership. So the difference between, let's say, a manager and, and an entrepreneur. <laughs> a manager is given a goal, and their job is to manage the execution of the plan necessary for the highest chance of that goal to be achieved. Fair? Absolutely. An entrepreneur, on the other hand, decides what it is that she wants to be true and then goes about creating the conditions to make that truth reality. And so as leaders, that's our job, is to decide what it is we want to see created, what we want to see true, and then create the conditions for that to become real. And we need to bring that, that idea in. Their job is to maintain status quo. So I think bringing that belief in, there's a shift we're trying to create, name it and map a path to create it and then create it. But it's our job to envision it first. And a lot of the work that I do with leaders is getting them to tap into what it is they're trying to create and dare to name it and then begin to set up the plan to create those conditions so that dream, that truth can become reality. Do you have any recommendations for leaders, especially younger leaders who have maybe become accustomed to growing in a status quo environment? How, how can they begin to think outside the box and break out of that and, and to imagine a different future or a different reality and then work toward that? First thing that came up when you asked that was stop trying to get it right. You're not going to. Your job is to get it real, not right. Stop trying to figure out how to do it like somebody else. Try to figure out how it's natural and authentic for you to lead and lead from there. So much of my work is helping leaders in their 50s and 60s chip away what's inauthentic and is everybody else's idea of what leadership should look like and help them uncover what their authentic leadership is. That's when they become truly successful. And young leaders are getting, there's too much of an opportunity for them to get, oh no, do it like this. There's a difference between doing leadership and being a leader. And the, the game is helping these 20 and 30 and 40-year-old leaders figure that out as early as humanly possible. Well, David, do you have any insights before we finish up today's interview or any thoughts that you would like to leave listeners with, whether something that you'd like to reiterate from our conversation today or something that we just haven't had a chance to talk about yet? You asked a question earlier about a quote and the idea that being listened to feels so much like being loved that people can scarcely tell the difference. I can't emphasize how important it is for leaders to listen to their people, not be waiting to respond, but listening in order to connect. That is the most important skill that leaders need right now. You know, it was important before the pandemic. It is even more important with the economic shifts that are coming listen to your people and listen in order to connect. That's how you engage your humans. Well, David, if people have connected with what you shared today, where would you like them to go to find out more about you and the work that you do? I'm a super big fan of making things simple. <laughs> so go to mindsetmondayswithdtk.com. You'll see information about the book, You'll be able to download the Rewire framework to begin to work with it and play with it on your own while you wait for the book. And at the top, you'll see links to find out more about me and what I do in my practice. All right, David, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Joshua, it's been a trip, man. Once again, if you'd like to connect with David, you can go to MindsetMondaysWithDTK.com. That link, as well as other ways to connect with him, are in the show notes below. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. 
expand your influence by using the cascade effect, which is serving and leading people who will go out and then do the same for others. If you want to make sure that you're having the greatest effect possible in your leadership, make sure that you are creating people who will go out and then do the types of things that you have shown them how to do. Of course, this means you need to make sure that you're doing the right things, but if you're doing the right things and you're empowering others to do those things as well, you are going to expand your influence. And the second key takeaway is this. Use the 10-10-10 tool. That is, take three timelines. It could be minutes, hours, days, years, decades, whatever you want it to be, and ask yourself, what will the impact of this decision be in, for instance, 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 months? I love the simplicity and the practicality of this tool because it really helps to provide some context and some perspective on how what you're doing now will or maybe will not influence the future. And it helps you to weigh the importance of your decisions accordingly. And the final key takeaway is how David caricatured managers and entrepreneurs. And if you are a manager, don't take offense at this. You might actually agree with this yourself having been in the position. But managers achieve a given goal as effectively as possible. But entrepreneurs decide what they want to be true and create the conditions to make that vision or that potential possible truth a reality. So in your leadership right now, are you leading as a manager who is trying to reach a given goal as effectively as possible? Or are you looking out to a future and asking yourself, how do I need to create the conditions so that the vision that I have can become a reality? Now, to finish out today's episode, I want to go back real quickly to the cascade effect. If you are looking to serve and lead other people well so that they'll go forth and do the same, you always need to be developing yourself so that you can make sure that you are helping to bring out the best in other people. And one thing that I've developed to help you do that is the leadership action list. This is weekly leadership action steps for an entire year. And if you have some hesitation because you've downloaded things in the past before and not put them into action, I totally understand you. And it would be terrible to download an action list and then never actually take action. Because of that, I'm going to be sending you every single week of 2021 one of these actions from the list. I just sent out the email for week five this week, and I'll be starting with week six next Monday. So I highly encourage you to download the leadership action list if you want to make sure that your cascade effect for your leadership is as significant as possible. We'll be back once again later this week with another great interview. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, 
It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, Business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading wealth.